Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of It's Nice to Want. I cannot tell you how excited I am for this episode. It's actually a topic that I was wanting to put off for a while, like into a later episode. And I there's a few reasons why it's being done now. First of all, the guest series, the guest interviews that I really want to bring on here, they have to be delayed. The microphone that I'm using right now, I thought it had like a dual feature for two people, but I've quickly learned in the podcast community that that is very negatively looked at, especially like in terms of quality, it just doesn't sound right. And I've, I've learned from firsthand trial and error, I'm going to need a second mic. So that is on its way for delivery and just a few logistical things I need to get in place. So Guest interviews are at least like one to two interviews ahead of us, but we'll get there, I promise. But back to the topic, again, this is something that I've really like envisioned to be a later episode because honestly, like I think it's going to be one of the most exciting topics I talk about. It's going to be about that time that I pitched to an Uber investor, literally went from cold outreach to an interview to getting feedback to ultimately my rejection, but Regardless, it's been one of the greatest career highlights to date that I've achieved. And it was actually only a couple months ago. I don't know if you guys noticed, if you're in my walk clubs, one of my like walk clubs I have, LA Girls Who Walk or San Diego Girls Who Walk, you'll notice that there was like a period of time for like a month where I just completely dropped off like the face of the earth. And that is why. So let me sip my coffee. By the way, guys. Let me just say that like I am a new coffee addict and it really it really fucking sucks because one I've always like appreciated like a good iced latte, right? I think specifically after when I graduated college, I never drank co- coffee in college. Um but when I graduated, like I definitely enjoyed an iced coffee here and there. As of 2 weeks ago, I am like a diehard coffee addict. Cannot get out of bed without my iced coffee. And like, yeah, I'm an adult. I'm a working adult. Adults drink coffee. It shouldn't be a big deal, right? But here's the thing. Like I've always had white teeth, guys. My whole life, I've always been complimented on my white teeth. I'm obviously like a Chris White Strips girly. I love my Chris White Strips. I think that's always like helped amplify them a little bit more. Let me just say the Crest White Strips are nothing against the amount of coffee I'm drinking these last two weeks. Like, I am now a brown teeth, babe, okay? We have very brown teeth, and I don't know if we're ever going to get back to our white teeth era. I think that's something that I've just aged out of. I don't know. If any of you guys are coffee drinkers and maybe you like drink out of a straw and that helps, I haven't tried the straw thing, so that's definitely next on the agenda. How do we how do we make this not happen, right? Like, am I gonna get veneers? What are we gonna do? That being said, let's get into the episode. How did this all start? How did I get the seed Uber investor? If you know what that term means, I'll touch on it later. How did I get this like incredible investor to even take some time to listen to me, right? Let me just say, I'll be upfront. It started with some cold outreach, guys. I am not a Nepo baby. I don't have industry connections. I work in pharmaceutical sales, like, and I don't know if I clarified this earlier, but my business pitch was in the tech industry. It was in consumer tech. And so I didn't even have like any connections in the industry. I did this completely from the outside. There's, if you, if you feel like you don't have a network, if you feel like you don't have people you know or family you know in the industry, 
This is totally within reach for you. Don't let that be an excuse ever. So let's start from the beginning, right? And you're probably thinking this is like has to do with my walk clubs. It has to do with um, that whole thing I started. That was definitely a great supporter and I would say like argument for part of my business pitch. But that was not, it was not like a walk club based business idea. I'll say that. So about a year ago, around May... So coming up on a year, actually, wow, we need to do an anniversary walk. Um, About a year ago, I started the club San Diego Girls Who Walk and didn't think anything of it. Like didn't think it would be anything huge. Definitely knew I was going to put some time into it and, and do as well as I could, but didn't think it would reach the level of success that it did today. And boy, I was wrong. We've we've come a long way now, obviously, for confidentiality reasons, I'm not going to get into the details of what my business is. I said it was a consumer tech business. That's the truth, but that's about as far into it as I'm going to go. But I will say that starting those walk clubs, first San Diego Girls Who Walk and then LA Girls Who Walk a little bit later on, starting those clubs definitely inspired the idea that I had. And over the course of the last year, concurrently alongside having a full-time job, after you know running the walk clubs and managing all those partnerships um i've also been working on this really intricate business plan and my idea was that i was just going to go for it right i was going to use the money that i've made from partnerships for the walk clubs and you know all of those deals and opportunities that come along i was going to use that money to start my business and go from there i very quickly learned that in the tech space you need a lot of money like in order to have the best shot. At least that's my point of view. I think some people would argue differently. But for the situation I'm in, where I just don't have access to a massive community, I think you know some might look at my community and be like, you've got you know thousands of followers. In my head, I feel like I need more, right? Like I feel like I need a really, really like 100,000 plus community and level of reach that I just am never going to get unless I get some sort of investor money. So, so six months ago, I was not only like deep into developing this business plan. I was also really set on getting an investor to invest in the idea. And I think the issue here that a lot of people will find is that it's really hard to get a meeting, to even get someone with money to listen to you. And here's where I will be up front. It took me 63 cold outreach phone calls and emails to get a response and to get a meeting. It took 63. Like this was over the course of three months that I was finally able to solidify a meeting. And luckily I come from a sales background. So I'm very, I'm very used to rejection. I deal with it well. But like, even with that background, I'm not going to lie, like it got very disheartening to feel like I had any shot at this, right? But right when I was about to give up, I finally heard back from not just any investor, but from one of the seed round investors for Uber. And I don't know if you guys know what this is, but basically there are many stages to venture capital. We're just going to do a little lesson right now. There are many stages to venture capital. Um, The first stage is pre-seed. That basically means you don't have an actual business to present. That means you are in the idea stage. Only some venture capital firms will invest in idea stage companies. So that was actually the stage I was in, the idea stage. 
and I was looking for pre-seed venture capital firms, obviously, to pitch to. Now, this firm I pitched to had done the seed round for Uber. So they invested in Uber when they were a little bit more established. And I will say, looking at their portfolio, looking at their prior investments, um, it, it's so clear to me now that I definitely might have wasted a little bit of time thinking that they would have invested in my company. Their track record actually is just mostly investing in seed companies. They say they invest in pre-seed companies. Their track record doesn't show that. It's like 99% seed round companies and seed round investments. So I think that I definitely um, over was overconfident when I pitched, right? But it was still a good experience. And now I know, right? Like, and what's great is that after that meeting, I actually got three really great referrals. I reached out to all three of them and I heard back from one and she's interested in hearing about the business idea. So we've already got our like next stage on route. Now here's the thing. So that month prior to my Uber investor pitch meeting, I, where I completely fell off the face of the earth, I I'm not even kidding. I was waking up at 5 a.m., working on the pitch idea until 8 a.m. before work because I'm, I'm working a full-time job, going to my full-time job, and then getting home around like 3, 4, and I'm not even kidding, like working until 12 a.m., you know, barely eating, barely going outside, obviously not taking care of myself, but just doing what I had to do to prepare myself. And I'm not going to lie, guys, like I've, I've said this before, confidence and self-esteem, they're not exactly where I want them to be in my life. We definitely have a lot of work to do in that area of development, but this business idea, this pitch deck that I created, that I put absolutely everything into, and I can't, there are only two things I can now say in my life that I've put 100% of my heart and soul into, and that was the marathon I ran last year, last year in New York City, and now this, like the only two things, I mean, even with the walk clubs, like there is some uh, pullback that I definitely have. This was the second thing in my life that I've given everything to, and because of that, I've never felt so fucking good going into a sales meeting. I've never felt so confident, so sure in myself, and even after getting the rejection ultimately, I still know that the potential is there. Like I know I can do this again and I can do it right and I can do it better and I can one day get an investment. So you're probably like, okay, maybe you're a little delusional, right? Like you didn't get your investment. Clearly something wasn't right. What makes you think that you can get it again? I thought I had done well on it. Now looking back with the feedback I had gotten, um, I, I now look at it and I see, okay, maybe regardless of how much time I put into financial modeling and to learning how that works, like maybe I just need to accept that that's a skill set I will never develop unless I like go and get an MBA right now, which is obviously like not what I'm going to do. Now, before I get into that, I just want to lay out like what the whole timeline and process looked like from the outside starting from beginning to when I had finally heard back from this investor to setting up our first meeting to the whole process. So after I had finally heard back from this investor who got back to me, um, I was super excited. Like I can't even tell you, that's probably the happiest I've ever been in my life actually. I've never been so high on life when I heard back from that investor. It was the best feeling. Um, and so I responded obviously immediately like, thought out my response for I think like three hours. I was like, how do I keep this conversation going? She's interested. She bit back after my pitch. How do I get this from an email to a video call, right? So you're probably like, what was her response to your pitch, right? What was her response to your actual cold pitch email? And I don't have the actual email pulled up in front of me right now, but I will say it was, hi, Monica, great idea. How can I help? 
Now, obviously it's like, I'll tell you how you can help, right? Like you can give me $3 million. That would be really helpful. I wasn't really sure like where to go with this email because I mean, it's clear, you know, I'm reaching out because I want money. And when she asked how she could help, I, I mean, I was like, isn't it obvious, you know, isn't it obvious? So this definitely, I mean, this is where my overthinking came in. I could have looked at this email. Like I swear I looked at it for like six hours straight before I actually responded. And this is where I did things wrong guys. I responded and said, you know, I would like some advice because there was still stuff on my pitch deck that I just wasn't hundred percent confident about. And this is a thing with investors. They don't want you to have like any lack of confidence when you're pitching to them. They want you to be so fucking confident and sold on your plan, on your business that they would feel comfortable investing, right? Cause like, why would someone invest in an idea when you're not even sure of it? So I told her um, mistakenly that the business model, like I wasn't fully comfortable with ultimately, I mean, it's clear I was never comfortable with it, but I was like, how can I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this right now. Is this right? Like, what can I do? And after responding with that, I actually didn't hear back for like two weeks and I was devastated guys, like crying for two weeks. This is how much it meant to me, like to not hear back. I was like looking at her Instagram. I'm like, is she on vacation? Like, why isn't she responding? Did I scare her off? I, I didn't hear back and I was like losing my mind. So after not hearing back, I actually sent a follow-up email. I was like, hey, I haven't heard from you. I want you to know that I think I was not certain in my business model when I reached out to you, but I've taken the time in the last two weeks to really solidify things. I'm 100% ready to get in front of you. And I think the only way to really share more about my idea is to present my pitch deck to you. And she responded, like she responded. I was actually so surprised she responded. Cause I was like, Oh no, you know, I have a very fatalistic point of view on things. And I'm like, once she's out, like she's gone, I ruined it with that email, but following up was the best thing I could have done. So if there's any advice I can give in this stage of when you're pitching, of when you're really reaching out to people, trying to get that idea out there, be persistent. Do not give up. No does not mean no. No just means maybe, no means yes. Obviously, like be be smart about it, right? You don't want to waste your time on something that isn't going to go anywhere, but I feel like you really don't know if things can go anywhere unless you really push people and dig in as deep as you possibly can. So flash forward two weeks, I actually told her, I was like, I will fly to New York City. That's where the their headquarters are based. And I was like, I will fly to New York City and I will pitch in front of you. I was really set on doing an in-person interview because I just think, you know, if you're gonna get a no in person, you can at least walk out and maybe like make a connection on your way out the door. And I'm all about networking, right? So I was hoping to get an in-person meeting. They were really set on virtual, so I agreed. And that was fine. I think, I think a lot of things are virtual nowadays. So that's something you have to get used to, but I finally got a virtual meeting two days or two weeks after that conversation. Now here's where the work really got tough, right? Cause I told her my business model was ready, told her it was solidified. This was actually more so out of panic, right? Like I'm like, this is my only opportunity to get in front of this investor. I just need to give her the best that I've got right now. And like, maybe we'll get something. And I spent so I spent so much time st- like I, I feel like I should have like an MBA right now. Right. But actually, no, because I never even figured it out. But basically, I spent those next two weeks just learning everything I could about building a business model. I had my Google spreadsheet. I was doing numbers. I was calculating. I was sizing the market. I was building the best thing that I could based off zero revenue. Right. Like my business 
was an idea stage business. It was a concept. There was absolutely no numbers to work with. And let me tell you, like that is not an easy thing to figure out. Like when you have no numbers to work with, you're really just like estimating everything. So I did the best I could with that. I did the best I could with that. I presented it on the day of our pitch day and the pitch actually went what I thought was really well, right? Like she had a ton of objections. If you're wondering if it's like Shark Tank, she said it was gonna be conversational at the beginning of the meeting. I personally don't think it was conversational. I think it was very much like Shark Tank. And I felt like every time I said a sentence, I would get an objection. You definitely had to be quick, guys. This is not like a pitch and then hear your feedback at the end. This is like feedback, question, objection, every two seconds during your pitch. It's really high pressure and it, it took me for a loop because I work in sales and I've never had that many objections in a pitch meeting or in a sales presentation. So it was it was one of the most difficult sales. And ultimately, at the end of the meeting, she gave me a lot of feedback. She said, I know you gave me some numbers, but I still don't know how to quantify the market, right? Like, I don't know how much money this is going to make me. And what's really stuck with me that she said, she was like, I need to invest in businesses. They're going to be really huge one day, right? Like huge, 100 million plus dollar businesses. I need to see that potential there. And I feel like this idea could get there, but I, you're not giving me the numbers to make me feel hundred percent in that. And that's why I'm going to have to say no. And so it was clear, right? Like it was clear that I lost her somewhere in the business financial modeling side of things. I lost her specifically where I wasn't feeling good about, right? Like if I wasn't feeling good about that, even if I was like putting on a front, it clearly showed through that that was where the lack of strategy and knowledge was it wasn't there and like i said guys i put 100 percent of everything into this so looking back having to accept that feedback and ultimately getting the no made me realize like maybe this is something i can't do on my own right like the financial modeling it's never going to be something that i'm good at i was never good at math i was never good at numbers i don't know why i thought i could build an entire business model i'm really glad i tried but i think taking back all of this feedback i learned okay i'm gonna either need to find a partner who's more financially inclined or i'm going to need to hire a business consultant and while i do have a partner who's definitely more financially inclined that's interested in this he's as someone who's numbers oriented he's actually my cousin he's much more hesitant to like put in his time into something that doesn't have you know that investment in it already so as much as i've tried to persuade him in building this business model he's like i just don't have the time to do it right now if you get an investment like i will be your cto but i don't have time to invest like or yeah put my time into this business model prior to getting the money so where does that leave me right like here i am in the same position i was in before i've got all this really great feedback what do i do with it well i mentioned this earlier right the other option is getting a business consultant now I actually did a little networking and I found out the guy who I want to build my financial model. He's like this Harvard MBA. He's got prior experience investing in startups. Um, he's like the perfect guy to build this. Here's the thing, his rate is $500 an hour. Now I've got my savings, right? I've got the savings I've been saving my whole career for buying a house specifically. This is where I've got to really do some self-reflection. Am I so confident in my business idea that I'm willing to take a significant portion of this money I've been saving for years for a house to put into an idea that I'm 
I haven't even gotten like a pull from. Okay, that's a lie. I mean, I've clearly gotten a pull from it. I do think I could get an investment, but at the end of the day, it's still a gamble, right? It's still a gamble. You never know what's gonna happen. So that explains where I'm at now in my life, right? Like I applied to a bunch of jobs recently. I'm just trying to make more money. I am in the final interview stages for a couple of pharmaceutical sales jobs. I'm really just trying to give myself more financial wiggle room to work with before I wanna go back and give this another shot. But I'm not gonna lie, guys. I didn't, I didn't think applying for new jobs that I was gonna get such great offers. Like I, I've seen numbers for new job offers that I'm that I'm going to be taking in the next couple of weeks that I didn't think I could get at this stage in my career. And the thing is, is when you make more money, when you see that those kind of numbers, and especially when it's like a career like pharmaceutical sales, where there's there's this really linear progression and really linear path of opportunities for you to make even more money and do even better in your life. It makes you think like, do I really want to potentially go down this path of a really risky scenario where even if I did get a pre-seed investment, you know, that would mean I'm probably going to quit my full-time job. I'm going to take on a very likely lower salary when I start my own business. I'm going to have a year to prove myself before I get a second round of fundraising. So it's a really, it's a long trajectory of risk. That's so different from what I'm in now, right? I'm in a really stable point in my life that I could just take the easy road, but I, I don't know what I want, right? And I feel like it's obvious. I feel like, you know, I don't want kids for another 10 years. I'm not getting married for another couple of years. Like this is really the only time that I should be able to take this risk. And I know at the end of the day, like one to two years, it really isn't that big in the big picture. And I know when I'm like 60 years old, I'm probably gonna wish that I did try it. So, I mean, it's obvious. Yeah, I've considered I've considered all of the pros and cons of the situation. I know ultimately I am gonna go back to an investor and pitch. It's funny because even after telling you how long it took me to even get a meeting, um, when I did get rejected from the Uber investor, they gave me three really great referrals specifically to these venture capital firms that do invest in more pre-seed stage companies. And I reached out to them immediately i was it was a little bit impulsive and i heard back from one a couple days ago and now i'm like in this threat where i'm like how do i extend this conversation so that i can talk to her when like the business model is ready and when i have put in some money into building that um how do i how do i extend this conversation i kind of regret reaching out so soon so i'm probably going to respond to that today and i'll have to figure that one out but it's great because I do, I have this second opportunity lined up. I just want to make sure I've taken in all the feedback I got and have really, you know, made some progress before I want to do it again. So timeline wise, like, what does that look like? Right? Like I just got all of these really great job offers in my pharmaceutical sales career. Um, I'm probably going to accept one in the next few weeks and I'm looking at at least two to three months to really get comfortable in those roles, to have the stability to look at my you know, business idea again and start working on that. And then I think after around like the three to four month mark is when I'm going to start having those conversations again. That's when I'm going to reach out to that second investor and ask like, hey, can we get on a meeting? Can I do the pitch deck? So I think the moral of the story is that I just want to wrap this all up and say is don't don't feel like this opportunity isn't yours. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like I was only applying to Shark Tank in the beginning thinking that was my only way to get into this, right? Like I was like, you need to be a Nepo baby. You need to have connections. If you don't have that, like Shark Tank is the only way you're gonna have an opportunity and an investment. And this is actually, I'm not gonna lie guys, this is where my views get a little bit more conservative as a generally like liberal person. 
I think society has really trained my brain to feel like I don't have any chance at the business world, right? Like that's for people who are rich. That's for people who are already in there. Women, especially minorities like myself, we don't have any chance at making money and making real money in life. And the fact is it's, it's not true. I know if I get this right, if I do the financial modeling right, I know I will get an investment. And that's not something that was ever told to me. That was something I had to figure out for myself. So again, moral of the story is do not undermine your ability. If you have any sense of confidence in your intelligence, in your ability to be creative, in your ability to start a business, go after it 100%. Uh, there's, there's no reason that you should feel like you are at a disadvantage. Yeah, I mean, certain situations that you're in are gonna make it harder but the opportunity is there. You just need to chase it. You need to be diligent and persevere. So that being said, I think I've got my work cut out for me for like at least the next year of my life. I've got to pick a job that I'm going to start on soon. I've got to continue with the social clubs that I run. I bought all these partnerships that I signed for. It's so funny, guys. I just signed the McDonald's influencer contract. I don't know if you guys are aware, but my San Diego Girls Who Walk social club, we are doing this really big partnership with McDonald's. And I've signed contracts in the past for collabs, but they've always been really informal. They've always been like one to two pages, really easy to follow, like not a lot of communication. This McDonald's partnership is completely different. It was like a six page contract, like multiple meetings. I love it, by the way. I love the formality of it. I feel like it's really giving me great negotiation skills, great business skills. Um, I love it. I, I feel like it's only setting me up for success for my second pitch meeting in the future. But it's funny, like the thing that I laugh at is at the very top of this like six page contract, it says influencer agreement. So I just, I can't get over the fact, like it says influencer, it's, it's the funniest thing to me. I don't feel like an influencer, right? But that also, it's brought up like a little thing in my head. I'm like, if all else fails, I'm just gonna go the influencer route. But before we wrap things up, I also wanna say, doing the McDonald's partnership and contract, it made me realize with the formality of that process, you know, I didn't ask for a lot in that, in that contract. And I think, you know, I'm afraid this is going to rub some people the wrong way, especially people who are in my walk club, especially as women, you know, when we talk about wanting money, wanting success, wanting more, it's looked down upon, you know, like you're greedy, you're selfish. You're just, you're not grateful for what you have. And this, this really touches on the title of my podcast. It's nice to want. I think it's great to strive for more. There's nothing wrong with it, right? Especially when you know you have the potential, especially when you're working with these major companies that have the opportunity to certainly provide you more. I look back at that contract and yeah, I think I was too nice. I didn't ask for enough. And by the way, this is like absolutely no fault on McDonald's at all. Like this is my own issue. Like whatever you negotiate, I think is a boundary that you set for yourself. And clearly I didn't push the boundary far enough. Don't get me wrong. I still got a really great deal and I'm super excited, but I think my negotiating skills need a little working on. Also, I look back at the pitch meeting with U the Uber investor and I did not negotiate or pushed back as much as I should have. I think I could have challenged her a little bit more. And that's also something I really want to refine and get better at. That kind of touches on the whole, I think, 
era that I'm in, right? Like constantly striving to be better, constantly pushing forward, not being ashamed or feeling guilty for wanting more, for wanting money, for wanting, for wanting success in your life. There's nothing wrong with that, okay? No one would ever question a man if he wanted that. They don't. They already don't. So I am so done with being the nice girl, so done with feeling guilty for things because, yes, I want better for myself. And I know I have the skill to get there, right? I know I have the knowledge to get there. I'm smart, okay? Let's not feel bad saying good things about ourselves. I'm smart, I'm talented, I persevere well, and I will get there. I want you guys to say that with me, okay? Say it, because it's true. Like, we really, we really limit our ability to think big. And especially if you're in your late 20s and you're already starting to feel like the stress of corporate, the corporate world of life, do not be afraid to take a risk if you have the chance. Um, and that's all I'm going to say. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, guys. I really shared a lot with you and I hope you take it and make something of it. And I will talk to you next week.